0: Well, thank you, Choir, and uh, thank you, Evan. Uh, Evan does a piece of work, does he not? And that takes hours and hours, and Evan, thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you, Choir, for your work, and uh, I'm glad that you're here this morning. So good morning, uh, Bellevue Church, and uh, welcome to those of you who are joining us uh, online. And if you're a guest, uh, we welcome you again, and thank you for being here. And uh, if I don't know you, come by in the vestibule and let's, let's get acquainted. Well, today is the last sermon in the series, A Trip to Graceland to See the King. Now, grace is my favorite subject to preach on. I've never had a hobby horse in preaching, but if I had one, it would be grace. And this series has been heavy on doctrine. And I don't apologize for that, but it has been heavy on doctrine. And you have listened well. And I hope now that after all these weeks, you'll have a fresh appreciation and an understanding of not only being saved by grace, but living by grace. So today we come to, in Graceland, you do not have to be Perfect. And I want to address the problem of legalism and what it does in our relationship to God, what it does in our relationship to each other, and how it harms the church. The texts that I have picked are several, and uh, I'll start with Romans, the third chapter, verse 28. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Galatians 2.16. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, Because by works of the law, no one is justified. Now let me just show you in this text how Jesus felt about legalism. Listen to this. This is Jesus. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! Hmm. For you tithe, mint, and deal, and common, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, and mercy, and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others, you blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, that's a second time, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but the inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside also may be clean woe to you scribes and pharisees hypocrites for you are like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful but within are full of dead men's bones and uncleanliness wow pray with me now father i pray that you will pour through me the gift of preaching. And I pray that you will take these human words, and use them to speak to us today, and give each of us just the message you want us to hear. Because we pray to you in the name of Jesus, and all God's people said, Amen. Now let's take a little poll. How many of you know a perfect person? No hands. How many of you know a perfect person? There was a pastor one time, asked his congregation, he said, do any of you know a perfect person? And this old gentleman raised his hand and he said, sir, do you know a perfect person? He said, yes, pastor, I do. He said, well, who was that perfect person? He said, my wife's first husband. (laughs) Let me ask you this. How many of you know someone who thinks they're perfect? Does anybody want to stand and give a testimony? (laughs) Aren't people who think they're perfect awful to be around? They constantly expect you to live up to their legalistic standards that they think will make you perfect. Now, I have, a friend. I have a friend who is married to a perfectionist, and I know this woman well. She worked in our office for several years. And Bill says, when I get up of a night and go to the bathroom, when I come back, my side of the bed is made. <laughs> Are you a defeated perfectionist? In Graceland, you do not have to be perfect. Now, why is that? Let me share with you one of the most important truths about living in Graceland with the King. Look at the screen. Graceland, Christianity, isn't attaining perfection, but Christianity is a process of living by grace with the King, with God. Christianity is a process of living by grace with God. I looked for great definitions of legalism, and one of the best I found was by Chuck Swindoll. Swindoll said, the place to begin is to affirm that anything that is set forth in Scripture as a directive, as a command, is a directive, period. It is not legalism. In the Bible, there are a list of things God wants us to do and not do, and they are very clearly set forth. We are to obey them. And then he said legalism is righteousness as defined by humans who frequently cite God as the source of the standard, but in reality, the standards come from culture, tradition, Most frequently, the personal preferences of those who maintain positions of power and influence. Another definition that I found of legalism, and this is a shorter one and it is good. Legalism is when people use the law, works of God, works, to attempt to gain favor with God. Now, a lot of us probably grew up in legalistic communities or legalistic churches, and I tried to collect some of all the stuff that we grew up with that was not biblical, but boy, we had to adhere to it if we wanted to be a Christian. Going to movies, was that a big deal? Going to live theater, wearing makeup, (laughs) Playing cards. My grandfather would have cut my fingers off if he caught a deck of cards in my hand. And my cousin and I would go to the barn loft and we would play poker with with the matchsticks. But if he'd have caught us, he'd have cut our hands off. Watching television. Going to the beach. Not having a quiet time every morning. Going to a restaurant that sells liquor. Now that was a big one. Wearing certain clothing driving certain cars, wearing certain jewelry, listening to certain music, dancing, square, ballroom, disco mattered not. My church was really big on this. Ooh. They, 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 they wouldn't let us dance, but we had hayrides, so come on, guys. <laughs> Holding certain jobs. Wearing your hair in a certain way, assuming you have hair. Having lovely or elegant things. Wrong to have nice things. (laughs) Getting a facelift. I won't go there. (laughs) Drinking coffee. Eating certain foods. Working out in leotards. And the translation of the Bible that you use. I was going to ask you what you grew up under, but I don't have time. Maybe for one or two. What what kind of rules, crazy rules, did you grow up under that are not biblical, but you had to adhere, adhere to them? Did you all not grow up under legalism, huh? No on Friday. Oh, you were a Catholic. There you go. No meat on Friday. Yeah. No white shoes between Easter or only white shoes between Easter and Labor Day. They still do that? They still do that? Mary, did you make this child not wear white after Labor Day? (laughs) Confession. Oh, you're with her. All right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, Any others? I could not play sports on a Sunday afternoon. Now, I could get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and milk them cows, but I couldn't play sports. We had a friend in Virginia. We loved her dearly. We were at her house a lot for supper on Sunday nights, and we would play games and so forth. She would not wash on Sunday. You know what she did? Five minutes after 12, she was down in the washroom putting washing in the washing machine. You see how legalistic that is? Let's, let's talk about how legalism is wrong. First of all, one of the first problem that legal, I left my watch down there. First... Good luck to you. <laughs> legalism creates a lot of problems. If you're into legalism and you're trying to please the Lord through legalism, how do you know you've done enough? If you're a legalist, and you receive your spiritual gratification through accomplishing long list of do's and don'ts for the Lord, how do you know you have done enough, and how do you know you've done them well enough? See, the legalist attitude hurts us spiritually because we begin to make a list of unbiblical rules and regulations as if those regulations, to uh, our relationship rather, to God is dependent upon those unbiblical spiritual hoops that we have to jump through. How do you know you've done enough? Romans 6.14 says, you are not under law, but under grace. In many ways, folks, what I'm going to say next is probably one of the most important things that you need to know about being a Christian. To be under grace means that you are headed for heaven. And on judgment day, Your eternal destiny will not be determined by rules and regulations, but it will be determined by the grace of God that you received when you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Amen, LD. That's good preaching. Folks, I don't want us to get on a spiritual treadmill that gets into the mindset that says that God loves me because I'm doing these unbiblical rules for him. Listen, folks, God loves me as much as he's ever going to love me. God loves me as much as if I never preached another sermon. God loves me whether I'm a pastor or not. God's love for me has nothing to do with these other things that I do. You see, folks, living in Graceland is a relationship with God. Living in Graceland has nothing to do with unbiblical rules and regulation. We are saved by grace through faith, not of works. Living in Graceland has nothing to do with being perfect. I read, this, I read this the other day. It said the only time some people ever achieve perfection is on a job application. Isn't that the truth? So how do we know you've done enough? And how do you know you've done them well enough? Legalists squeeze the joy out of life. Nothing I know squeezes the joy out of life like legalism. The all time joy killers in Jesus' day were the Pharisees. And they had rules that you would not believe. Rules for themselves and rules for everybody else. And you talk about a somber group. You wouldn't want to hang out with these people. They had lost the joy of their religion because they had made it a list, a list, and they checked that list to see if you were naughty and nice. Jesus comes along. And this is what it said about Jesus. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father. Here it is, full of grace and truth. And then verse 16 says, Indeed we have received grace upon grace from His fullness. There it is again. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Christ. What a revolution Jesus started. When the scribes and the Pharisees saw that Jesus' disciples took grain and put, and put it between their hands and rubbed it and blew the chaff away, they went nuts. And they got out their law books to see how many rules Jesus and the disciples had broken. And when Jesus healed on the Sabbath, they went absolutely crazy. And it's no wonder jesus liberated people because there was joy around jesus and it's no wonder that people absolutely loved the words of jesus when he said i have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly what a breath of fresh air jesus was Jesus not only gave his life for us, but he gives his life to us right now. I grew up in a church that preached legalism. Everything we did was to earn our salvation. And I grew up in a family that practiced legalism. And then someone taught me grace. And they taught me that line out of the old hymn, Rock of Ages. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Folks, grace was the most freeing decision that has ever happened in my Christian life. Instead of laying in my bed at night worried about the judgment day, then I realized Jesus had already judged my sins at the cross I was full of assurance about my salvation, and I had eternal life knowing that I had been justified by faith in Jesus. Nothing in my hand I bring, no works, no works, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Now, folks, when you understand grace, it not only will free you, it will help you to live with other people and you will not have a legalistic attitude toward them. Chuck Swindoll Swindoll tells about a missionary family that (laughs) that was literally forced off the mission field over peanut butter. This is true. This young family went as missionaries to a part of the world where peanut butter was not available. So they asked their friends in the States, send us a supply of peanut butter every now and then. Well, the other missionaries in that place considered it a mark of spiritual maturity not to eat peanut butter. And maybe their thinking was, since we can't get peanut butter here, we believe we should give it up for the cause of Christ or some nonsense like that. Well, these new missionaries didn't buy into that legalism. They got their shipments of peanut butter. They did not flaunt it. They did not eat it outside their house. They ate it in the privacy of their home. And these petty, legalistic, non-peanut butter eaters treated this couple so badly that it just finished them off spiritually. And after a while, they had enough of these non-peanut butter eaters. And they packed up and came back to the States disillusioned and highly cynical of Christianity. Now, would you please give up your list of do's and don'ts for everybody else? If you have a list, keep it to yourself. Keep your list to yourself. And if God leads you not to eat peanut butter, fine. I do not know why God would do that. Because peanut butter is a proof that God loves me. It's my favorite food. But do not tell me, a peanut butter lover, that I should not eat it and should not enjoy it just because it's wrong for you. Do you see the point? Do you see the point? Shake your head yes or no. Do you see the point? Do you see I'm making, I, I, I know a lot of Christians who have squeezed the joy out of their life by making their relationship with Jesus nothing but an unbiblical rules of do's and don'ts. Third problem. James, what, hand me my watch. Third problem. Legalism harms relationships. Whew. Legalism harms relationships. I may have to do this part two next Sunday, all right? Legalism harms relationships. The Pharisees, look at this. The Pharisees were indignant. Why? Because Jesus was eating with what they call scum, sinners. Why does your teacher eat with such scums, they ask his disciples. See how spiritual, spiritual legalism hinders relationships? If you don't keep their rules... Then you're considered scum. See, a legalist is this a legalist is a person who insists on letting his conscience be your guide. Does that make sense? Do you know anybody like that? Look at Matthew. They make strict rules and try to force people to obey them, but they are unwilling to help those who struggle under the weight of their rules. See, legalists are intolerant of other people's failures. they, They don't make any allowances for people's failures. Look at the screen. Legalists not only put a high level of expectation on others they can't live up to, but they put a high level of expectation on themselves that they cannot live up to. And you know, when they can't live up to them, you know what happens? You know what happens? Because they can't keep up with them. They can't keep them just like in the, in Jesus dealing with them. They begin to act like they're keeping them. And we begin to act like we're keeping them. And we become real holy. And we become real spiritual. And we become fakes. Jesus called them hypocrites. Christians ought to be the most real people in the world. But I have found as I travel around and preach that a lot of Christians are the most plastic people in the world. Well, legalism harms the church. It harms the church. And I, I, whew, it really harms the church. Uh, Because Jesus wants his church to be a people of compassion and love and grace and mercy. Jesus wants his church to be a place where people are in the process of spiritual maturity. So, where do we get those kind of qualities that Jesus wants? How do we develop those kind of qualities? How do we do it? How do we do this thing in the process? We get them through trials and failures and errors and sins and mistakes and forgiveness. See, the qualities that Jesus wants in his church are people who are in the process toward spiritual maturity. Folks, there is nothing more arrogant than a legalist, and there is nothing more harmful in the church than a legalist, because the Lord's church is supposed to be a community of grace, a place where people do not have to jump through all of these unbiblical rules, but a place where people are accepted and loved no matter where they are in the spiritual process. Does that make sense? And I don't have time to develop this because I've preached on it enough. Legalism takes the focus off of Jesus and the cross, and it puts us on ourselves, and that leads to pride. That leads to pride. Now, what are the remedies? What are the remedies? Number one, believe in the authority of the Scripture. If we're going to root out legalism we have to believe in the authority of Scripture. I grew up on this phrase in the group that I grew up in. This was one of our phrases. We speak where the Bible speaks and we are silent where the Bible is silent. In other words, we accept the Scripture as the only authoritative rule of faith and practice. And folks, we need to be content with His Word as our only rule of faith and practice. Practice and teach all that it instructs us to do, and only what it instructs us to do. Speak where it speaks. Be silent where it is silent. The second remedy. Focus on obedience, not perfection. Focus on obedience, not perfection. Look at what Jesus said. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus said to them, you just come and follow me and I'll make you what you need to be. Now, the spiritual perfectionists that I grew up under, they wanted me to become what they were. Here are my rules. You kids in this church live by these rules. And so they strive. They strive. Jesus said, no, 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 no. Just come follow me and I'll make you what I want you to be. Get to know God. Get to know God. I hope that you spend every day getting to know God. Look what the old prophet Jeremiah said. This is what the Lord says. The wise person should not boast in his wisdom. The strong should not boast in his strength. The wealthy should not boast in his wealth. But here it is. But the one who should boast should boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord. Nothing in my hand I bring hmm. simply to thy cross I claim. Believe in the authority of Scripture. Focus on obedience, not perfection. Get to know God. And most of all, trust in Jesus. I want us to learn to trust in Jesus. I want us to learn that God loves us and God's kingdom isn't about us. It is about trusting Jesus. In Graceland, you do not have to be perfect, just obedient. Now, I added this one the other day, and it's not on the screen. I added this one Saturday morning. Confront legalism. Confront it. Absolutely confront it. Paul came and Peter were in the churches at at Galatia. Peter had eaten with the Gentiles. He comes to the Galatia. He's enjoying fellowship with the Gentiles. And then the legalistic crowd comes up and Peter switches from the, from the Gentile side to the Jewish side because he was afraid that the legalistic crowd would condemn him. And Paul withstood him to the face. He confronted Peter to the face. Can you imagine? I'd like to have been in the room about how hypocrisy this was. He said, Peter, this is not the gospel. You were eating with the Gentiles. Now the legalistic crowd come. You're only eating with the Jews. You are wrong, Peter. And he withstood him to the face. See, the problem with legalism in the church is that they have not been confronted enough. Now, legalists are dangerous. They are grace killers. They drive off new Christians you bring into church. And if I am trying to force my personal list of unbiblical no's and do not's, and trying to make you feel guilty, then I need to be confronted. I am way out of line. We sent our kids to a Christian school. We loved that school. Still do. But they had some rules that uh, we did not live by because we thought they were not biblical. And one of them was going to movies. We went to movies, good movies. And I told my kids, just keep it to yourself. Well, one day in class, one of the teachers was really ranting and raving about the evils of going to the movies and how it supported the Hollywood industry. And it does. I don't disagree with that. Our daughter was a very quiet, compliant child. Very quiet, very compliant. She raised her hand. Yes, Jennifer. Mr. So and so, do you rent movies and watch them at home? And he struggled, looked down, shuffled his feet. Yes, Jennifer, we do. Mr. So and so, isn't that supporting the movie industry as well? And he hung his head. And he shifted around, and he said, yes, Jennifer, it is. At least he owned up to it. Do you see the hypocrisy in that? And Jennifer, in her quiet, meek way, confronted him with it. I don't know if she knew that he rented movies or not. But he was man enough. Never to talk about it again. See, the problem with legalists is not enough people in the church have confronted them. I want us to trust Jesus. I want us to be so much in Jesus. And what are the results of living by grace and dying by grace? One of these days, When you stand before God in heaven and he says to you, why should I allow you into my heaven? You just point to Jesus and say, I'm with him, I'm with him. Oh, you are with my son, the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. My son, the lamb of God, you're with him? the Savior of the world, come on in, come on in, come on in. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the grace gospel. Thank you for your grace that saves us and your grace that we live in every day. Oh, Father, we don't deserve it but we rejoice in it. and Father, thank you that we don't have to be perfect, but covered by your righteousness. Thank you that we can live in obedience instead of perfection. And thank you that one day we will stand before you perfect. We will be perfect, just like Jesus is perfect. We pray that if there are those here today who do not know your grace, they will come to know saving grace and go out of here to live in grace. We pray this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Today our invitation is for you to accept the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are saved by grace through faith. Put your faith in his death and his resurrection this morning to save you. Why don't you come and do that if you never have? If you need to be baptized, we would love to help you to do that. If you'd like to become a member of our church, we would love to have you in our fellowship. I'm going to be down front. If you would like to make any one of those decisions, you come to me and I'll help you to make them. Let's stand and